You are listening to Mindful Performance, the show dedicated to building the brand of you. Your host is Teresa Rose, thought leader to the C-suite and author of Mindful Performance, How to Powerfully Impact Profitability, Productivity, and Purpose. Tune in every week to discover the lessons on what top leaders do to deliver their best performances at work, at home, and all day long. And now here's Teresa with your next Mindful Performance. Hi there, and welcome to Mindful Performance with Teresa Rose. I am so excited about this new episode with my friend and colleague, Greg Williams. Greg is a master negotiator. He is a people person that cares for the well-being of others, and that's why he teaches people how to negotiate better to increase their value. As a Harvard-trained negotiator with the richness of 30 years of negotiation and reading body language experience, Greg Williams, the master negotiator and body language expert, has taught negotiation and reading body language skills to people throughout the world. He's an accomplished author, speaker, trainer, and a recognized worldwide thought leader on the topics of negotiation and reading body language. In the capacity of TV news contributor, Greg has appeared on all of the U.S. major TV networks and some in other countries. Greg has written seven books about negotiations and reading body language, and he's currently writing number eight. But most importantly, Greg cares about me and you. So remember, you're always negotiating. Hi, Greg. How are you today? Good morning, Teresa. I'm alive and well, and I'm A-OK. That's what I always say. Exactly. A state of mind. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. I woke up this morning. Mm -hmm. So I am so glad that you have uh, decided to to join me today on Mindful Performance. And because, you know, you and I have been friends and colleagues for years, uh, not only in the National Speakers Association, but here in the C-Suite Network in the Thought Council. Uh, And you are one of my uh, just go-to people to, to inspire and inform. So let's have a great conversation about performances, right? How do we perform? I am up for it for sure. Perfect. So let's talk about just the two main areas of your expertise, the negotiation and and body language. Let's first talk about the fun stuff, the real fun stuff, the body mm-hmm. language. So uh, we've we've uh, you know expanded, we've shifted from uh, to live from live events, live communications, live connections that we have with each other now to all moving through the screens, right? Uh, so as a body language expert, what are you seeing as kind of the best practices for leaders now that we're here all on screen and that we can't feed off of that that energy that we have when we're together in person. What are you seeing as far as, uh, you know, the best ofs and the worst ofs in, in body language here on the screens? Well, first of all, I tell leaders that they have to realize they are the ones that initiate energy within their own body. And thus, as we introduced uh, each other to the show today as we came on to uh, to the show one of the things I said was I'm a-okay that's what I always say it's a state of mind and it's true even when it comes to generating energy you have to realize it's your state of mind that will cause that energy to be generated and thus leaders have to always be mindful of their state of mind in order to not only generate energy but in order to 
pursue the goals that they need on behalf of the corporations that they're engaged with. So how does that energy manifest itself uh, in our bodies? What do you see when you're, when you're in those, those Zoom rooms with, with me and with everyone else? How do you know that leaders have that energy that are tapping into it? What do you see? Well, it's not only what you see, but what you hear, because you can listen to someone when they speak and you can hear the low energy in their voice (laughs) (laughs) versus someone that sounds exciting, that talks about leadership from the perspective of let's get together team, let's move forward and together we can conquer anything that we put our minds to. That sounds familiar. That sounds familiar. Okay. And you you can hear the energy and the cadence, first of all, and you can feel the energy that's being emitted from that particular individual. I agree 100%. In fact, my, the, the, the hairs on the back of my neck are sticking up because I know that that's the truth. Uh, and so is there anything that we need to know kind of as we're showing up on these digital discussions and these conversations that we're having, what can we do practically? What can leaders do practically to elevate that energy so they can really show up as powerfully as possible? Well, understand the individuals or the group to whom you are communicating with. Because in some cases, someone uh, hypothetically just incurred some type of loss that causes them to be in a state of somewhat uh, depression, uh, somewhat of a depressed state. In that case, you don't want to sound like, oh, yes, you'll get over this. You just have that is a little over the top and thus a leader again must be mindful of the situation that he or she is conveying the message in and not only that to whom the message is being conveyed based on the set of circumstances to which that leader is addressing if someone needs the old proverbial kick in the butt okay some people are motivated by that other people will withdraw even more. So again, it behooves the leader to understand what it is that it will take to motivate a particular group or individual based on that individual's needs and desires. Okay. And how about uh, what, what aren't we what aren't we doing uh, to, to show up? Is there something physically that we need to do? Like for me, you know, you and I are on lots of calls together. Uh, you know that I'm very much focused on paying attention to the people in the room and engaging with them as if I was with them in that space. I, you know, I play a mind game with myself that we're actually still together. Uh, but uh, what, what are those kind of hidden things that we're not noticing in our bodies that is maybe communicating something that we don't necessarily want them to feel or see? What are we doing that's those unconscious things that we can be paying attention to? Well, there are times when we don't feel comfortable in a particular environment. And body language encompasses not only the verbal aspect of what someone does, but how they utilize their body when they're actually doing it. So if by chance you start to stammer or choke up or something of that nature, it's because you are sensing something about your surroundings, the environment that's causing you to do that. The body always wants to stay in a state of comfort. 
And thus, when it is out of that state, it will do things to put itself back into that state of comfort. It may be uh, 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 the way someone starts to speak. Mm -hmm. It may also be, if you're able to literally see the individual, uh, the visual gestures that they make, such as touching themselves, uh, rubbing their forehead, things of that nature. Again, those are the little signs that you should be aware of as you speak as a leader to the group that you're actually addressing because those signals will also be picked up by those individuals to whom you're speaking, even if it's at a subliminal level and it impacts not only the way they perceive the message, but how they perceive you as a leader. So let's play a game. Let's imagine that there's a leader who used to manage folks in an office and now they're all virtual and there is a resource that is just showing up poorly uh on on zoom there she's playing with her hair or she's you know or he's leaning back and not not engaged whatever that might be but they don't even know that they're doing that what do you recommend the leader say or how to approach those things that might be a little bit personal right for oh, them okay First of all, it's good that the leader would observe what those individuals are doing because the visual aspect of playing with one's hair is a sign of comfort. Uh, it's also a sign that the individual may be trying to understand some aspect of what's being discussed more intently as that person is internalizing that message. So you have to be aware of what that gesture means. And by the way, you never look at one gesture to decide an individual is a particular way. You need to look at a cluster of gestures. So if the individual is playing with her hair and if you notice that she's also doodling with the other hand, okay, she's disconnected, period, point blank. At that point, the leader might say something along the lines of, um, and Teresa, you would never do this at all, okay? But <laughs> for the example that you've set, let's say uh, you were the one doing it. Uh, the leader might actually say something along the lines of, and Teresa, what are your thoughts right now? Now, right away, that's going to pull your attention back to what's being discussed. And it's also going to set in your subliminal, subliminal thought process the fact that, oh, wow, I better start paying attention because I may be called on at any moment in time. One other aspect about um, what you set up as this scenario, Teresa, is the aspect of understanding when someone is leaning back, you had to know why they leaned back at what time they leaned back based on what you said, because that leaning back can be a display of wanting to get away from what's being said, or it can be a display saying, you know what? I am so comfortable with this topic. Yeah, I'm going to let this one ride for a moment because I don't need to be as engaged. I already know this or something of that nature. And okay. that situation, it might behoove the leader to then say something along the lines of, and John, uh, let's have your input about this. And then notice if John all of a sudden leans forward because he's stating, okay, I'm going to get engaged again. So it's the little nuances that are displayed via someone's body language at a specific time that the leader can hone in on to assess exactly what's going on in that person's mind. 
Interesting. So let's, this is a perfect opportunity to then expand into negotiation because I imagine that you utilize your expertise in body language to be such a great negotiator because you get to see, it's like you have an inside track, right? You have a secret, secret uh, doorway into what's really going on as you negotiate your, your agreements that you can see how people are responding. So let's talk about kind of best practices on negotiation. If I really have a new job that I really want to be really strong in, you know, as a negotiator, and I'm feeling nervous about, you know, how, because I'll be honest with you, I, honest, one of the the things that I'm not good at is when somebody starts to negotiate with me, I get, I just get nervous. I get nervous. I don't have experience with that as much as, as others. So what are some of the top best practices in negotiation right now that I should keep in mind to get better? First of all, recognize exactly why you have the sentiments about negotiations that you just spoke of, because we are all good at negotiations. It's to what degree we are good at it. That's the thing that we need to recognize. So we have to be mindful of what we are telling ourselves about our abilities. That's number one. Number two, you need to assess why you are somewhat, let's say, if you were intimidated by someone in a particular situation, you need to address the fact of why that's the case. Is it something about the individual? Is it something about what you're negotiating? Is it something that you are being saddled with that occurred from years in the past. Mm -hmm. And the reason it's so important to identify the source of your angst is because once you identify that source, then you can address what it is that is causing you the degree of fear to enter into the negotiation. Plus, when you are going to, prior to entering into a negotiation, when you're going to negotiate with someone, you need to put some strategies together of, what might happen and how you might address that situation. And you also need a plan on what it is that you're going to achieve at certain points in the negotiation. By having those places in, or I should say those steps in place, what you can then do is measure your progress as you're moving through the negotiation process. Um, am I at this particular point based on where I thought I'd be? Okay, fine. Well, let's keep going down the path that I've set for the negotiation. Do I have to take a detour at this particular point in time? Well, if you've already planned for that juncture, you know what you have to do to get back on track as a result of having to go around, let's say, uh, what could be a potential impasse or any situation that you had not thought about. And if you're in a situation that comes up that you had not given consideration to and someone is trying to force you into making a decision, call a timeout. If you're not ready, don't let someone push you into making a decision. Now, some people go, well, yeah, but what if it's the, the deal of a lifetime? Okay, well, if it's the deal of a lifetime and, and it was that important to you, you should have prepared for it ahead of time. Mm -hmm. Okay, so something popped up that you had not anticipated. Call a timeout. You know, I have to go to the bathroom. I have to get a drink of water. I got to water, go water my plant, any excuse viable excuse to get away from the negotiation table and then come back when you are ready. And the last point I'll make to this, negotiate on your time frame. Yeah, okay. So your boss says, uh, everybody has someone that they report to. Your mm -hmm. boss says, uh, mm -hmm. hey, I want to talk to you tomorrow at the 
4.30 in the morning. And it's like, 4.30 in the morning? Uh, what should I prepare for? Get that person's perspective as to why they want to negotiate with you. And then you would say something about, and just so I'm clear, you said 4.30 a.m.? Why 4.30 a.m.? What you're doing in that case is trying to get more information about not only that person's thoughts, but what it is that that person may intend to do during the negotiation, and then you prepare for it. Excellent. Well, I, you know, you just gave me so much to think about. The first thing is, I find that for me, my resistance or my discomfort doesn't come from being intimidated because I'm not intimidated very easily. And I also can connect really well. It's the, it's, it's somehow I have a program in place that says that negotiation A isn't for women. Okay. Because we, we just, it's just a different, men, men can't understand what it's like to walk in the space of a woman right? Just like a man of color, right? We don't know. We don't know because we don't walk it. And there is a barrier to, for me, for me uh, as a woman that being, you know, a, a, a badass in negotiation isn't something that we were taught as women, right? So I know that that's something that, I, have you seen that in, in your experience as you've worked with leaders? Yes, I have. I've definitely seen it. And Teresa, here's my response. You became who you are based on who you wanted to become. Who do you want to become now? Do you want to be known as someone that goes along to get along? Do you want to be known as a badass? And in some cases, it may behoove you, especially if you're negotiating with a bully, to project the persona of a badass woman. Uh -huh. Like, okay, you think I'm a woman and you're gonna push me around because of that? Watch this type uh -huh. of attitude is what you might want to project. And even more so, you can use that same womanly demeanor to disarm a man, especially oh, one- me, I have. <laughs> that I can truly believe for sure. <laughs> So, so in essence, hey, I don't have to tell you. You can flip the script and be mm -hmm. just like that, you know? I mean, power is fluid, which means it's ever-flowing, ever-changing. And thus, someone that thinks they're powerful can be like, mm -hmm, yeah, okay, come into my parlor, said the spider to the fly. <laughs> <laughs> you got that right. You got that right. You know, our chairman of the C-Suite Network, Jeffrey Hazlett, and our, and our mutual uh, colleague and friend has said that CEOs, they, they speak two languages, they either seduce or overpower. And, that, and so I, I, I have the first one down pretty well, but I got to be working on the second one too. Um, and you know what? I, I would add to that a third component, and that is that equal modality. Because sometimes, depending upon the person with whom you're negotiating, if you treat them as an equal, even if they are your subordinate, they will have more respect for you and thus they will do more for you because you didn't try to uh, overpower them or things of that nature. So it always goes back to the individual with whom you're engaged with. Yeah, yeah. So let's talk about your best performances for you. If you can think about one time that you just rocked it so hard, right? It was just like your victory. You could feel it. Tell me a little bit about what that was and what prompted you to have that be your best performance. What did that involve? Well, 
actually, I'll go back many years ago to a situation where I didn't even know what I was doing from a negotiation perspective, but it was a huge learning lesson, which is why I'm citing it right now. I had just bought uh, a, a new car. Let me phrase it like that. And I drove off the lot. I was happy with the car, so forth and so on. And then it was something that came to me about the color of the car that just wasn't right for me. So I turned around, drove back to the dealership, and I said, uh, you know what? No, I don't think this is the right color car for me. Now, it was a hideous color. So let me put it like that. <laughs> what color was it? What color was it? Uh, actually, almost an orange color. Uh, <laughs> right. And the thing is, I was a professional. And truth be known, it was a Mercedes. It was a Mercedes. Ooh. And I'm thinking, yeah, I'm thinking, wait a minute. This is not the right image that I want to project. So drove back to the dealership. And I basically told the dealer, hey, you know what? No, I, I don't think this is going to be right for me. Well, the salesperson said, well, you've already signed the document and so for, uh, therefore, uh, the deal is done. And I looked at him and I said, well, I know I have a three-day right of recension to this deal, number one. And he was like, <gasps> and literally, I didn't know what I had just sensed when he took a breath in and gasped but I knew I had pushed back on him to the point that he realized, wait a minute, okay, I can't use that excuse. And to make a long story short, I guess it's too late for that, but to make a long story short, uh, he then brought out his sales manager and his sales manager said, uh, well, exactly what's wrong with the car? I said, the color. Now, truth be known, they were trying to get rid of that car. Mm. And the sales manager actually ended up giving me something like a 20 thousand dollar reduction off the price and i kept the car for i think <laughs> two years or something but what that taught me was well wait a minute number one you can contest any outcome in a negotiation if you don't like it that's number one number two and in so doing in the right situation you might improve that outcome significantly so wow. I stumbled across that, but it was a huge learning lesson for me that I even teach clients to engage in, even to this day. I love it. I absolutely. So did you end up falling in love with the car? No, <laughs> I kept it for a year or two, and then I ended up buying another one. But uh, it, was, it was a learning experience for sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I hear that. And so but before we end, I have one last question for you, Greg. Uh, what are you doing for yourself now in this challenging time to stay positive, to keep that mindset in, that, in the space that you need to be to be this master negotiator? What are you doing? Well, Teresa, it goes back again to the opening, to thine own self be true. Understand who you are, what it is that motivates you, and what it is that causes you to continue moving forward. With me, it's giving of insights and knowledge about how to negotiate better and read body language. And thus, I've been engaged in literally worldwide conferences to disperse, impart information that others can value from and that allows me the sense and source of power that I'm giving to others, something that will improve their life. And that, that's all the comfort in the world I need because you're always negotiating. You are always negotiating. <laughs> I, I'll, not only in business, but I'll tell you on my 
Tinder profile I'm negotiating too. So you never know, you know, you, you want to get the best possible deal. Exactly. And, and Teresa, what that really means, you're always negotiating. That what you, you do today actually creates the opportunities that you will encounter tomorrow. So sounds fantastic, Greg. Now, how can our listeners get more information about you and the work that you do? Well, they can reach me at the masternegotiator.com, which is T-H-E-M-A-S-T-E-R-N-E-G-O-T-I-A-T-O-R.com. They can reach me at Greg, G-R-E-G, at themasternegotiator.com. And I can all be, also be reached at 609-369-2100. Perfect. Thank you so much, Greg, for being a part of Mindful Performance. As always, it was a delight. And I look forward to our next connection. Thank you so much for being here and enjoy the rest of your day. Like me, make it an amazing day. Thank you, Teresa. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thank you for tuning in to Mindful Performance, hosted by Teresa Rose. If you enjoyed this episode, please like, subscribe, and share. For more information or to listen to more episodes, visit TeresaRose.com or check out the C-Suite Radio Network. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.